A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Welcome to the World in Sport, I'm Vinnie Wiley. This week, Vanuatu's cricketers prove too strong for their regional rivals. Samoa's sevens team call in some seasoned vets and success for Pacific tennis players in India. But first, a fund has been launched to recognise Ali Opilonga's achievement of winning Samoa's first ever Olympic medal. The weightlifter was upgraded from 4th to 2nd place in the women's over 75 kilogram division at the 2008 Beijing Games after two competitors were disqualified for drugs. The Samoa Prime Minister, Tuilepa Salele Malialenga Oi, has said the government only offers monetary rewards for gold medal winners. The editor of the Samoa Observer, Mata'afa Kenneth Lesar, said there had been a massive outcry over the government's position. We always thought that there was a monetary price for any sort of medal from the Olympics. As, as you know, a small country like ours, very seldom that we uh, come across these achievements. And so certainly it was a big surprise when the government said they weren't going to give any money and they were um, quoting that uh, they only give out uh, money to gold medals. Was there any monetary reward when Eliopi Longa and her brother and others have won gold medals at Commonwealth Games in the past? Yes, uh, from what I understand, that there was a monetary reward for, for, for gold medals at the Commonwealth Games. So, um, and that's where it's at at the moment. They said they only have awards for gold medals. Um, interestingly, when um, just on the weekend uh, we spoke to the Minister of Sports, and um, he said uh, they are looking at they're, they're looking at reviewing the issue. Do you think this is perhaps a disconnect between the Prime Minister, who obviously made comments, and perhaps the wider public? Uh, do you think the Sports Minister is perhaps uh, tuning into, I guess, the reaction to that? I think he is. You know, I, I, I think the, the, the sports minister has obviously um, heard the outcry because there's a massive outcry here in Samoa, and not just in Samoa, but uh, from all over the world with our communities in New Zealand, Australia, and America uh, about how wrong this decision is. I'm personally, I'm hoping that at the end of it, the best thing that, that could come out of it is, is perhaps the government uh, reconsidering its position. Because, of course, the comparison that you made uh, in your column was between Ali Opilonga's success and that of Joseph Parker, who obviously was brought back to Samoa and, and rightfully paraded as a world champion, but you know there was money put into that fight before he'd even won the WBO World Championship, whereas Ali Opilonga has won a medal and, and yet won't get any reward for it financially. Yeah, I mean, like like I said in the column, you know, it, it's sad that we have to drag, uh, you know, uh, Lucas Oliari, Joseph Parker into, the, into this issue because, you know, the, the poor guy had nothing to do with the decisions being made by the government. But unfortunately, if you were to take two very bright... Um, and, you know, top of the world, Samoan athletes, and the treatment is quite uh, contrasting. So, you know, it's quite sad to see that. Do you think gender plays a part in the difference in treatment? I don't know. I, I, I hope not. But certainly if, if you were to look at the, just the facts, you know, you can, you can make up your mind. I mean, Elle is obviously a woman. Uh, she's uh, done extremely well out of Samoa, uh, born and, uh, and raised here and bred here. Uh, you know, her parents sell, uh, you know, taro and, and, and vegetables just on the streets for a living. So, you know, you, 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 you have a look at the facts and you make up your mind. Certainly, yeah. What does this mean? It is eight, nine years in the making. 
finally she's been given this medal and soon she'll get the reward. Uh, what does it mean for Samoa to win an Olympic medal? Oh, it's, it's massive. I mean, like I said, you know, I'll take you back to uh, the Joseph Parker title. You know, that was another massive achievement. You know, as Samoans, we're extremely proud. But, you know, in terms of the Olympics being the ultimate sporting event anywhere in the world, I, I think this is this is way bigger than that. This is a massive moment for Samoa. And, you know, you go back to Elio Pilongi. Before she became an Olympic medalist, she had been winning every competition she had been put in to represent Samoa. So, you know, really, it would be, although this has come eight years late, um, you know, it, it doesn't really matter. I mean, this, this should be the biggest sporting celebration there should be in Samoa unless uh, somehow down the line that our sevens team can, can better this, because as, as, as far as I'm concerned in terms of athletes, this will probably be Samoa's only medal for a long, long time at the Olympics. Off the back of uh, the initial reluctance from the government or refusal from the Prime Minister to uh, offer any reward for this achievement, uh, the Samoa Observer Group has uh, started up LA's fund to try and, uh, I guess, give her a reward. Well, absolutely. You know, we, when, we, when that came up and uh, we sort of sat down... Um, with uh, Marge Moore and our team here at Sam Observer and our publisher, Muliang Adin Malifa, we sat down and we um, sort of, you know, worked out, you know, there's a lot of people who want help. And, uh, you know, we've set up this fund that anybody who wants, whether it's uh, 10 cents, 10 tala, $10,000, you know, if, if they're, they're, we're very happy for people just to, um, you know, be able to give back to this lady. It's not just, you know, the fact that she's won an Olympic medal. This is someone who's genuinely been working all their life to make this country proud. And I, I think, you know, in, in, in the absence of what the government is doing, I think we, this is where people can help. And so if the government does eventually change its tune and come to the party financially, will this fund still all go towards Aleopi Longa? Oh, absolutely. I mean, for us here at the Samoa Observer, our, our, our hope and our prayer is that the government will change its mind. It doesn't really matter. I mean, even if the government uh, gives, at the end of the day, gives money and we still have this money, it's going back to early one way or another. The best outcome for, for us is we, we raise some money and the government gives some money. That will be the best outcome. That's the editor of the Samoa Observer, Mata'afa Kenitlisa. Vanuatu are back in the World Cricket Leagues after taking out the East Asia Pacific qualifier in Bendigo. The Melanesian side outclassed Fiji by six wickets in the final round-robin match at the weekend, completing a clean sweep of their five matches. Head coach Shane Dietz says it was an emphatic performance, capping off a satisfying week. The way we played and the way we won uh, is pretty emphatic, so that was reflection of uh, the work the boys have put in over the last sort of 12 months, two years. I've been working with them, so it was a great result. That first innings, you had... Uh... Fiji in trouble pretty early and pretty consistently picking up wickets. Had your boys been watching India versus Australia, perhaps? Yeah, um, I have been watching a bit of it, yes, but I think we just bowled really well. Uh, under pressure, it was actually a very good batting surface, so it was just down to really good bowling, and once we got a roll on it, you know, we just kept going, just kept picking up those wickets regularly, so it was great. In a general sense, uh, over the week, what have you learned about your team? So we're getting better, and we're handling the pressure and learning to play 50 over cricket a lot better. Uh, the last two tournaments, Division 6 and Division 5, that was probably our weakness. A little bit too much T20-style batting in particular, um, and we really worked on more 50 over plans, and that, that worked really well. So that's something we definitely improved on and we learned over, the last, over this tournament. Because there are some competitive teams in the EAP region now, um, but, uh, you know, as you say, 50 over cricket isn't perhaps played as frequently as as would be helpful for some countries. Well, we don't play much 50 over cricket back home. And now, you know, the, all these teams, uh, their future, I'm not sure what they've got over the next few years. 
cricket-wise, so it's pretty tough on them to try to improve and get better. So it's such an important tournament, so much relying on the result. And it's a shame only one team can go through. It would be great if we could have more tournaments and more 50-over cricket. So for Vanuatu, this, of course, means a return to Cricket League 5. And, you know, after, I guess, a pretty agonising exit last year, uh, a, a chance, uh, well, another chance, a chance to go again. Yeah, so we come fourth, which should have meant we should have stayed in Division 5, but the changing of the system meant we had to qualify again, but we're back there now, and I think we're better for the experiences we had last year, and depending where the tournament is, we've played the last couple in England, or UK, and very cold in UK conditions, so maybe something else a bit warmer, and the flatter pitches might suit us a bit better too. I suppose uh, a number of your players were involved in those tournaments, so... uh the experience of being there, done that, and those events, plus obviously uh, the past week or so in the qualifying competition, just more experience to your players. Yeah, we're getting to know our combinations, batting order, and the specific roles within the team. That takes time to get those those working well, so we did that over the last few tournaments. I think we've got to, you know, everyone's really clear what their job is in the team now, and that's what what's well, been great how to come out of this tournament and we'll definitely take into Division 5. And of course you have qualified for Division 5 but there's still some uncertainty as to exactly where and when that will be. Cayman Islands have just qualified as well and there'll be four teams from Europe. Uh, Jersey, Guernsey and Italy are already in their competition so I would say it might be over in that region somewhere but I would love to try to host it in Australia or somewhere a bit closer to home would be you know, good for our boys, definitely our style of cricket. When do you think uh, you'll know when it is or where it is? Uh, I think the European qualifiers would be in the European summer for June, July time. So hopefully after that, all the the Asian qualifier and African qualifier will happen and then we'll have all the teams and know when, know when we're going to compete so we can start planning for it. And obviously all this talk about potential further changes to the World Cricket League system, um, is that something you expect to find more about uh, anytime soon? I don't really follow it too much, so I'll leave it to the president and uh, the board to look at. But the rumours that Division 6 will come in, so hopefully that will happen. And then one of another chance for our region to have another qualifying event maybe and play in Division 6 and get another team playing more cricket, which is what we all want for all our region and all the, all the countries participating in the East Asia Pacific. That's the Vanuatu cricket coach Shane Dietz. Samoa coach Sir Gordon Titchens is hoping the return of some experienced heads will inspire his team at this weekend's Las Vegas Sevens. Former captain Faliminga Salesali is back on the World Series after impressing at the Brisbane Global Tens, while Afa Aono has recovered from injury and assumes the captaincy. Alex Samoa has also forced his way into the team for the first time this season. Sir Gordon Titchens says it's a timely boost. It's been a really challenging couple of weeks, really, but um, coming after that the Sydney tunnel where I'd seen some improvement with the Samoan boys, um, they've gone back and, and obviously been obviously doing the training programs, but they're all involved in, a, in the Mara Sevens tournament, which is a, the biggest Sevens tournament in Samoa only last weekend. And uh, so they've all had real game time. We also had a training week after that, in which I, I named the squad, and uh, and we've uh, had a few more days training since that squad's been named. So. Yeah, she's been all on, and uh, and now getting over there to uh, perform in, in Vegas. So that added game time at the Mara Sevens, that's you, you see that as a benefit. Yeah, all the squad members getting Sevens specific uh, rugby, and I think that's really key. And uh, 
I mean, every one of them were involved in their clubs, and there was a big tournament. There was a couple of New Zealand teams that went over there as well, so it was a very strong tournament. And there were a couple of new players that actually put their hand up in that particular tournament to be considered for this upcoming two tournaments, and, um, and they were selected. So, yeah, no, it's uh, really positive. Uh, I've always said that the danger for all teams really is the gap you have between the last two times that you've been involved in. And if it's so great sometimes, it takes you a while to get back into it. So I think it's one of the positives that with PG, you know, they're always playing week in and week out. And uh, and so they're always seven fit. So uh, for us to get some real game time, even though they were playing for their clubs, was a really positive. A couple of new faces stepping up there and demanding selection from you. uh, But you've also been able to welcome back a... A couple of uh, wily old veterans, uh, Afa Aono and Falimanga Salisali. They've got lots of sevens experience and they're very good players and uh, what, they're only 27 and 28 respectively. So, so in, in saying that, you know, having them come back into the fold to, to work with these younger players is a, is a real positive. I mean, Falimanga Salisali, uh, I thought last year was just simply outstanding for Samoa and uh, him to not be allowed to play in these first two tournaments because of, uh, a provincial team's requirements uh, was quite tough. They uh, but he went away to the Thames and played for Samoa in the Thames and, and came back and played last weekend in the tournament for his Cub Maita. And, uh, and I selected him on that. And uh, he's really excited and great to be great to have him back. And, of course, uh, Afa Ono, who we all know, is, uh, is a very talented um, sevens player. He's been out through injury um, and uh, he's just come back in. He's also now my captain, so he brings back with him a lot of experience as well. And, and Alex Samoa, another player from last year, he's into his first two tournaments. He's also quite an acquitted sevens player. Uh, played well for Samoa last year and uh, and he's come back and uh, rearing to go. So with those three players added into the mix with the new younger players, you know, it should strengthen our side going into these two tournaments. Does this just give you a little bit more of a balance? Because obviously you had a lot of new faces in these first two tournaments that you were involved in and, um, you know, you talked about, I guess, these guys are learning on the job a bit. Um, does this just... I guess there's more people to look at and more people to, to learn off and more people to, to give a bit of guidance and, and lead from the front kind of thing. Well I, well, I think our problem's been really, we just haven't really had the experienced players to really calm the shifts down. And when you've got a new young, a lot of new younger players, they need those experienced players to guide them. And uh, and that's why it's really, really good that these players have come back at the right time. You know, following a Sally Sally and, and Upper Ono, they are two real leaders that will assist these younger players and... Uh, as you know, with all these younger players, they get out and have a crack, they express themselves, but sometimes they're getting punished for the same errors and uh, they need that little bit of guidance. So having these players on board is going to be really, really good for the team. And uh, leading into Wellington, Sydney, you talked about some really positive developments at training and some progress that was made, but sometimes when it got out onto the field, it wasn't always replicated. How do you uh, ensure that that happens in, in Vegas and Vancouver? The last couple of weeks, we've, we've spent a bit of time going through those games and, and looking at the areas that we needed to really work on, and, and one of them was yellow cards. I mean, they have nine yellow cards and, and four tournaments, which is, you know, you're just going to keep punishing yourself and you're not going to get through any good whatsoever in tournaments if you're going to completely always offend. So we've certainly addressed that. We've also addressed other areas, certainly around the tackle, around the chop tackle, and also getting rid of those 50-50s and, and looking to dominate in the contact. So those are the real areas that we've worked on, being good in contact, being better in contact, winning that area, and of course get rid of those yellow cards and, uh, and, and do the do the simple things well, and I think that's been our real focus in the last couple of weeks. Reality of the World Series is, uh, you know, no matter what happens, you've always got a pretty tough ask in the pool stage. You've got England, uh, who are, you know, pretty up there, and of course the US will be at home, so uh, 
along with uh, Chile. I don't know how much you know about them, but uh, what, do you, what do you make of uh, that challenge? Certainly the US and the US are always very, very tough. And of course, um, no doubt, England also coming off the back of quite a successful tournament in Sydney. So, yeah, no, it's going to be going to be tough. We know that. We're probably the, the right down in the settings in terms of our pool. And uh, I suppose uh, getting out of the pool is going to be our main focus and uh, to try and get into the Cup Championship. But as long as I see the improvement, big challenge for Vegas, of course, for all teams, is the amount of contact involved in this, this particular tournament because the, the field isn't the the full width of a normal rugby field, so there's going to be a lot more contact, there's a lot more set plays, and uh, so that's where it's a real challenge, and uh, I've actually named a side built around more physicality, perhaps it's uh, the players that you sacrifice in these particular games are the ones with the, the wingers, I suppose, with the real pace, because they just don't have any room, so we're looking for certain to, to win the contact, and hence I've named a, a bigger side, um, perhaps physically, than I didn't normally would have. That's the Samoa Sevens coach, Sir Gordon Titchens. Pacific Oceania has won their junior Fed Cup tennis pre-qualifying event in India. The team of Carol Lee from the CNMI, Tahiti's Naya Giton and Eleanor Schuster from Samoa won their pool without dropping a set before defeating Singapore and Sri Lanka in the semis and final. The boys' junior Davis Cup team didn't reach the same heights, finishing ninth of 16 teams. The girls' captain Brittany Tay says it was a great effort from her team. The girls have been travelling around quite a bit and I know uh, Naya and Carol were in the Junior Fed Cup team last year and they played in India as well. So, you know, they'd already travelled over to Delhi and they kind of knew what they were expecting. And and what was the plan going over there? Obviously you want to win, but uh, did you know much about the opposition teams or who you were going to come up against? Didn't know anything about them either. The girls didn't know anything about any of the players who were there. So uh, the plan going over there was really just to make my girls feel confident and, and get them feeling good out on the court and and work together, you know, to form a game plan as the matches went on. You know, that's what we did and luckily we executed really well. You know, you went through the group stage unbeaten and obviously you ended up unbeaten too, winning that tournament, beating Sri Lanka in the final. When you, you know, each sort of tie, each sort of matchup, does uh, does that just sort of build confidence as that sort of an event like that goes on? Yeah, definitely. I mean, we took each day as it came and I said to the girls, you know, every match is, as a match in its own right, we need to go out there respecting our opponents and be willing to work hard, basically. So, you know, we took it one game at a time, and I think the girls did really well in managing themselves throughout the matches. Because um, there are a few close ones. <laughs> so, uh, you know, it was really good to see them kind of get through those close matches and, and yeah, build their confidence. And uh, what was most pleasing for you as team captain watching on uh, these players? I think just their ability and willingness to execute on the plans that we were talking about um, throughout the match. Like, I've been in their position myself before, so, you know, watching them go through all the emotion and be able to manage them, manage themselves as well as perform, I think, was really, you know, I was really proud. And so this is, of course, step one, the pre-qualifying Junior Fed Cup event. Uh, they, of course, head back to New Delhi uh, in not too long a time to compete in the qualifying event, and... Um, do you know who you'll be coming up against at that and, and what sort of standard that's going to be? I definitely know the standard's going to be, um, you know, the next level up. Uh, I believe it's going to be com- uh, countries like New Zealand, Australia, China, Korea. So, um, you know, it'll be good for the girls to have those tough matches and and I have faith in them. I think, you know, they've got a really good chance. At Pacific Oceania level, uh, it's only been a few years since the senior Fed Cup team have been back competing on 
uh, that Fed Cup uh, competition for the region. Um, the men, I guess, have been doing it for a while still, but uh, you know, funding is always so short. So to be able to have these junior events as well and have that next generation getting that sort of exposure is, uh, you know, pretty crucial and uh, pretty valuable. Oh, most definitely. I mean, you know, it's all about getting exposure at this age and, you know, being able to compete against other top players. I think that's the best thing about it is that these girls get to play, you know, the top girls from other countries. And when they're seeing that they're able to win, they start to really believe in themselves. And, you know, I think anything we can do for our young athletes to to make them feel that way is so valuable. That's the Pacific Oceania Junior Fed Cup captain, Brittany Tay. And that's the World in Sport for this week. I'm Vinnie Wiley. As always, thank you very much for listening. Do you love anime, gaming, movies, and discovering how your favorite pop culture affects everything you do? Then join us on Crunchyroll Presents The Anime Effect. I'm Nick Friedman. I'm Lee Alec Murray. And I'm Leah President. Every week you can listen in while we break down the latest pop culture news and dish on what new releases we can't get enough of. Whether you love movies. I'm going to tell you all about the uh, hopeful 4K re-release of Tron Legacy that happens. (laughs) (laughs) I'm right there with you. Or music. The music in this show is absolutely incredible. Or anime. And under this mask is another mask. (laughs) You can discover your new favorites right here on The Anime Effect. Listen every Friday wherever you get your podcasts and watch full video episodes on Crunchyroll or on the Crunchyroll YouTube channel.